This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank God for Jack Smith. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. The missing link we've desperately needed to preserve our democracy has finally arrived. This week, Donald Trump was criminally indicted and arraigned for attempting to subvert the will of the American people. Obstruction, fraud, conspiracy against rights. This January 6th indictment from Jack Smith is a perfect summary of Trump's entire life, really, and the damage he has done to our country and the world. And just now we're learning that Trump has issued a threat of retribution in what sure as hell looks like a violation of his conditions of release. And yet one of our major parties will not leave him. They are him. They were silent while he, as president, weaponized the justice system and flagrantly attacked the constitutional rights of Americans of all stripes. I know all too well I was one of them. Defeating Trump's attack on free speech has literally consumed the past six years of my life. And yet now, the hollow mouthpieces of the GOP are nearly all aboard to paint Trump as the victim of the very offenses he committed time and time again. The party of law and order has become the party of political candidacy as a criminal impunity plan. The public narrative in the coming months and year is as important as anything that happens in a courtroom. Multiple criminal trials should not be a net gain to a serial criminal running for political office. And while the truth and the facts are 100% on our side, we cannot afford to let Trump and his sycophants deceive the American public with gaslit narratives ever again. They must understand the danger Donald Trump poses to each and every one of us. This is really an extraordinary moment we're living through, a moment of opportunity and cleansing and justice, a turning point where we can, if we do the work, emerge stronger and freer than ever before. The power lies in each one of us to determine the future of the free world. I'm so grateful to be joined by someone with a, such a powerful perspective on how we arrive at this renewal of our democracy, longtime political strategist, consultant, and former Republican himself, Matthew Dowd. Welcome to Lights On, Matt. Great, great to be here, Jessica. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I, I, um, if I have my facts right, you left the Republican Party back in 2007. That's so you've, right. you've been walking in the light for a long time now. And I just want to get your, you know, I have a lot of perspective that's not just political, but spiritual and moral, too, on this justice that we're finally seeing. What's your reaction to Trump finally being indicted on the January 6th crimes this week? You know, it's funny, as you were introing it, when you said, thank God for Jack Smith, I was thinking of, thank God for Jack Ryan. It's almost like a Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan, um, here to save the country kind of moment in, in where that we're in. I mean, I had a sort of dual emotional reaction to the indictments. Um, one was sort of joy that our system of justice and law and order and the rule of law is still intact, uh, that people can be held accountable for it. 
And then I had sort of profound sadness that this man ever occupied the Oval Office and took the oath of, to the Constitution, um, it, or had said the words, I should say, to the, of the oath of the Constitution. I don't actually think he actually let him sink in. Um, and so it was both joy. Uh, I think it's a celebratory moment for our rule of law, but it's also incredibly sad that we're at this point. I 100% agree with you, but I, I, I cannot, um, the fact that we are here, I think we have to embrace the gratitude and the joy and what, where, what has brought us to this moment, the deceit that so many of us fell prey to, myself included, and what we have learned through this process. You know, when you, when I invited you on, you responded to me and you said you wanted to talk about a renewal of our democracy. I, I so love that concept because through all that I have personally realized of my own blindness and and the absolute filth and damage that Donald Trump brought to this country, I've also recognized that there was a rot in the Republican Party for years that I think Donald Trump exposed. And should we have ever had him in the White House? Absolutely not. But I feel like these things are coming to the surface in a way that they never would have before. And we have an enormous opportunity to handle them now. Well, you know, I, I obviously I agree with that, but I would actually broaden it more in, in, I think what Donald Trump, there are many things about him and obviously he's approximate cause to a number of problems that, uh, that are in the United States and the damage done to our democracy and justice in the country. I'm not taking away with that what I'm about to say, but he also revealed not only did he reveal the rot in the Republican Party and where it ended up, um, which is why people were shocked when in, in September of 2015 on ABC, I had said that I thought he was going to be the Republican nominee because I saw what was becoming of the Republican Party. And I thought he had a he had he had a better connection to what the Republican Party had devolved into than Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush. And I and just not only his manner, but just how he was and who, how he was operating, I thought was connected. But I actually think he also revealed that there was some constitutional rot in our democratic system that he revealed that needed repair or renewal. And so I, I think it's not just a Republican party that either needs to be completely turned over and changed or needs to go away. But I actually think this gives us an opportunity in the sort of next few years uh, to renew our democracy in a manner that has been done before uh, in our history at moments of momentous times, like what happened in the Civil War in the aftermath of the Civil War, like what happened in my view in the aftermath of the Great Depression and World War II. There's moments of time that, that generations bind together and have to renew what our country is, what our democracy is like, and sort of view and sort of resuscitate the health of it. And so to me, it was a problem not only with the Republican Party, it was a problem of our civic system of democracy that had atrophied uh, to a large degree that then Trump took advantage of. And it, we fixed the problem not just by getting rid of Trump, which I think is important part of the solution, but if we just get rid of Trump, the, 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 health of the democracy is still problematic. And that's what I think has to be renewed. When you're talking about doing that as a country, I, I, I can't help but thinking that we have to have a common understanding, Matt, don't we, to be able to 
work on this together. And what, what we're dealing with, which we have been dealing with for years, it's what led me to follow Trump in the first place, is this ecosystem of lies and deflection and projection that, that defrauds. I mean, that's why I said in the open, I think fraud is such a fitting charge for Donald Trump, because this is this man's life is just he's a con man um, that defrauds the American people into believing that the opposite of the current scenario is true. I mean, Donald Trump was just convicted of acts, acts of conspiracy to, to defraud the U.S., acts of conspiracy to obstruct an official con uh, proceeding, conspiracy against rights. This is being totally gaslit in by by his defenders, by McCarthy, by, um, you know, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and all the other feckless Republicans I could go on and on as an attack on Donald Trump's free speech. Oh, God. Poor Donald Trump's free speech rights being attacked, and we'll we'll go into a little more of that about that later. But um, we have to have a common understanding. If you have half of the or country being inundated, millions of Americans being inundated with the opposite of what is true, thinking that our current president has a regime and a crime family of his own, how can we arrive at that common understanding? We have to we have to pierce through that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, democracies, if you look at the history of democracies of the world, they're contingent. There's two pillars that are there that contingent on making the health of a democracy. One is a common set of facts that you can have disagreements on philosophy, issues, policy and all that. But you start off with a common basis of facts of what reality is. And then you have to have a desire to get to the common good. And, and Donald Trump, and his allies and certain platforms have undermined both of those. And so they've undermined a common set of facts where they basically say, we'll tell you what the truth is and we'll tell it what it is and everything everybody else says is a lie. We'll tell you what, what's really going on. And they also have undermined the common good, the ability to get to common good, because they've basically said, it's not about everybody, it's only about you and taking care of you and satisfying your grievances and, and operating um, in, in response to your fears, but everybody else, they're not quote unquote real Americans. This is about us. And so both of those things, I think, it have allowed us to get here. It had developed before Donald Trump got on the scene, um, obviously over the years. And that's why in many respects, I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say I feel sorry for people that voted for Donald Trump, but they were basically lied to. It's like a like a used card salesman that lies about whatever car he's going to sell you. Then the guy, guy takes it out and the brake lines fail and he crashes into somebody. Um, he, the person should have been more re uh, uh, retrospective about looking at what was going on and asking the right questions. And that doesn't take away what people need to do in civics here. But also as Donald Trump and again, his allies have lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. And the lie started before Donald Trump, but he he took it to a whole new level. And and then the only way you can do is people push back. And the people that need to push back first is not the Democratic Party. It's the people in the Republican Party in this sort of conservative ecosystem. And honestly, from all of what I've watched, I have been most disappointed and I have has the highest level of discouragement is not by what Donald Trump has done. To me, Donald Trump has never fundamentally changed. He is who he is. But what I was disappointed in is so many people that I thought were principled conservatives that would stand up to him never have. And they just went along with it, whether it was by virtue of power, they wanted to access to power or by virtue they were afraid of what the base of the Republican Party would, could become. Nikki Haley and, 
and uh, you know even McCarthy for the for the years was sort of a, a part of a part of the Republican establishment and all of that. None of them. Marco Rubio is a perfect example. Ted Cruz is another example. All these people acted like they were principled conservatives, but refused to put push back on Donald Trump or put any guardrails around Donald Trump. And they let him, they cre helped create this monster that we have today that's wrecking the village of democracy, wrecking the village. And now they stand back and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, well, you know, they, they want somebody, they want Jack Smith, who is obviously trying to do this, or the Democratic Party. Deep down, they want somebody else to do something about the problem when they refuse to do it. Yeah. Well, what I, I I have this this theory, maybe it's a vision or a fantasy, I don't know, but that that Donald Trump does become the nominee and we we do not um, you know, look away from our target for one second and, and Biden gets reelected and you know, he essentially runs as as maybe he gets in prison today. He threatened prosecutors. He said, if you come after me, I'll come after you. Maybe he's going, his bail's going to be revoked and, and the Republican party is going to have literally a candidate who may be sitting in a jail cell and they are going to be forced because they have, they have um, shown no moral character thus far, like you're describing, they're going to be forced to face it. Kind of like Mike Pence's now, this is not some courageous move on Mike Pence's part to suddenly, you know, have some clarity on accountability for Trump. Just a few months ago, he was saying the Biden DOJ was weaponized. So, um, you know, this is I'm not talking about Mike Pence, sort of. I'm talking well, I actually I am talking about that, but it kind of in a very harsh all at once kind of moment for the Republican Party where they fail again with Donald Trump as a as a defendant in multiple criminal trials. And literally the party just kind of faces an implosion. And they are forced, they are forced, they don't choose to, they don't have the moral clarity to, but they are forced to reconstitute. Um, and I think, like you were saying, Matt, there's just a complete and utter failure of imagination on the part of who should be leaders in, I mean, whatever happened to the concept of leadership. They, I hear all the time, they're afraid of the Trump base. Well, that's what leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to lead you out of, of oblivion into clarity. They're supposed to show you the way forward. If a mass of these people, instead of having just, you know, your standouts, your Liz Cheney's and Mitt Romney's, if you had a mass of the Republican Party with the courage to speak out against him, them, they would defeat that base that they're so scared of, and the base would would eventually come follow them. Um, but one concept, Matt, that I want to get your 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 feedback on and your perspective, because I you said you feel sorry for them, and I I of course have to have a level of empathy, having been one of them. I do. I understand how you can be deceived. I don't think that. MAGA, that Trump supporters understand the threat that Donald Trump will pose to them. I don't think they understand how this is a man who literally turns on his own and when it is convenient for him will take away their rights. And I think that to the extent that that can be explained to them, people start to wake up. Do you agree? Well, I I mean, that, I, I could hope that would be if explained to them. But as you know, and you probably know better than I do, but I, I mean, I live in Texas in a small town around a lot of Trump voters, many of which are yes. my friends. I have family members. I have a large family, um, Irish Catholic family, many of which voted for Donald Trump. And some are still backers of Donald Trump. And the rational conversations don't seem to work. 
in my view. They don't seem to penetrate their emotional connection they have. And part of the reason is, is this, there's this sense of fear of the changing of America, right? America's going from a singular culture that was aligned with democracy to now a multi-culture that is a new democracy. That's actually what's causing this fraying. And, and sort of that group of folks now feels a sense of loss and they think Donald Trump, and I think many of them understand Donald Trump's flaws and they probably understand that they probably wouldn't like have Donald Trump in charge of their bank account. And they, I think they understand that, but for some reason they think, well, yeah, he's our guy, he's our flawed guy, but he's our bully and he's gonna fight for quote unquote us. And he's gonna get, you know, our retain our place in American society. And I don't know, absent of a major crisis moment, I mean, we've had a few, you, you would have thought, um, I would have thought the sort of COVID pandemic would have readjusted people's, they were like, we're national pandemic where millions of people are dying around the world, United States threatened by it, that we're going to like turn the corner and people realize that there's a place for governance and we need people that know what they're doing and can, we can trust. Well, what actually, it actually turned um, quickly to the sort of uh, in the same realm of everything else. So you can't trust doctors, you can't trust those scientists, you can't trust this, you can only trust quote unquote me or whatever in that. And so I don't know if, 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 losing, if, if losing again is gonna change the Republican party, if that was the case, they would have like come to their senses in 2018 or they were to come to their senses in 2020 or they were come to their senses in 2022. I don't think they have lost by enough. It's been too close for them to fundamentally realize. And I think the 2024 race is going to be close again. Do I think Biden, um, as things stand, is going to win again? Yeah, but I think it's going to be very close. It's going to be a close I agree. race. I agree. And I think there's a chance that even if Biden wins, the Republicans take the United States Senate back um, in that. And so will they have learned any lessons in this, in this structure, both the leaders and the voters? And I almost think that we're, again, I, I try to put things in the context of the history of our country yeah. and not to think like every time we have an earthquake or a, or a volcano erupt, it's all about the earthquake or a volcano. It's about tectonic shifts of plates of society. And We've been here before, not with somebody like Donald Trump, but we've been in this place before where there's all of this kind of tribalism, angst, the state of our democracy, what's going to happen. And there's been a generational change that has allowed us to get to a new place. It's sort of like, in my view, there's been like three revolutions in America, three mm -hmm. American revolutions. The first one, which we all know about. The second one was was during and after the Civil War, when it was a sort of revolution of the whole, you know, getting rid of slavery and then reconstituting the Union. And I actually believe there was a revolution of how we govern and what our responsibility is to people in the aftermath of the Great Depression and World War II. We're in that moment. We're in that same moment now. The difference is right now we have an entity with Donald Trump, who's now has former president by his name. We've had other people in those other moments who were not good for democracy, but they never held the office of president. That's the difference. And I just don't know if we're going to, and I, I think of it as about a third of the country. It's not half the country. Every time people say it's half, it's not half. It's about a third of the country um, is stuck in this place where they want to go backwards uh, to something, some, you know, mythic 
democracy or mythic country that they thought existed at some point. I don't know if you ever get them over to it or you just move on to a different place and they have to resolve themselves to operate in a multicultural renewed democracy. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it, it, it has so much to do with with getting rid of this concept that there is a threat to their way of, of life because the real threat is their dear leader, Donald Trump. I mean, I do believe some, I, I hear this, Matt argued frequently that uh, MAGA wants a strong man. You know, they want an authoritarian. And I put myself back where I was in 2016 and I in no way, shape or form at any point in my life wanted a strong man. I have been a person who values human rights and freedom that's been at the top of my list of priorities from, you know, childhood. And I don't think that the majority of them understand the affront to their liberties that is going to come in one way or another because, you know, they want to say something critical about Donald Trump. God forbid he reenters office and we can talk about my experience with that. Or, you know, a family member needs to get an abortion because they've had some, you know, horrible situation where they are in a state where the, the government is threatening, you know, felony prosecution of a medical procedure or whatever, you know, one of, we could just go through the list of how this, this, this fascist leaning GOP is assaulting people's rights. I do not think they understand the threat to them because they're so constantly inundated with the counter narrative. And I try, I know you said it's hard to have logical conversations. And I was actually listening to another conversation you had recently and I pick and choose, you know, I pick and choose because they're, they're emotionally taxing to have these kind of debates and to try to, to pull people out. But when I see someone who I recognize as you know, maybe a veteran, someone who has put their life on the line for this country or someone who I otherwise recognize as good hearted and caring, who still believes that Trump would be in a better alternative to Biden. I will, you know, in select cases, really invest my time in sharing my experience with these people so they can understand what a danger Donald Trump and his party poses to them, not to the other people who, you know, they're being told are a threat to them, but to them. Um, and, and I got to tell you, I've been, I've been successful in a, in a number of these cases. I've had people tell me, I, I wouldn't listen to anyone else, but I'm going to think about what you said. And I think we can never give up on planting those seeds because if we give you. up, if we, if we raise the white flag and say, it's just, it's, this is a cult, there's no extraction. It's, it is what it is. What does that say about us? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's part of the part of the part of the when we have to bridge the empathy divide that exists also in our country. There's this great empathy divide that the Trump voters that many people are unwilling to have empathy for where they might be and how they might have gotten there and why they have certain fears in our society today. And then there's an empathy divide of Trump supporters having any empathy for people that come from a different place or have a different view on life or a vision of the world or whatever it is. And, and we can't let that go, especially if you come, I mean, I come from a, I mean, a, a religious background and I, I consider myself a person of, of deep faith and spirituality in this. Um, I don't think anybody should be abandoned in this process, uh, in the course of this. Um, 
the question is, is what do you lead with in those conversations? And part of the problem with leading with politics is it's immediately becomes divisive. And so what I try to do is I try to have conversations that start in, in, in the middle and maybe end at some politics, but start around a sort of common sense of sorrows and joys and belief systems, deep down belief systems that they understand, that that person may understand I share with them. Um, and I think it's also sometimes amazing when people, I mean, they hear me criticize Donald Trump a lot, obviously I do, and the Republican Party. And then when I have conversations and I'm like, I, well, I go to church every week and and I own guns. Um, I, I mean, so it's, it, it, it is, I think that we've gotten to this place where everybody thinks the other one is a Martian. They're all Martians and they, and people don't understand how alike we are and how I actually think deep down how decent people are really deep down, um, deep down in, in who they are. But if you lead with politics, you'll never get there because it immediately is a divisive thing to almost everybody. So you have to lead with something else. Lead with a conversation about addiction that you or your family went around. Yeah. Lead with a conversation yeah. about divorce. Lead with a conversation about healthcare choices. Lead with a conversation about your own faith and whether or not you questioned your faith and where you are in your faith system long before you get to politics. Yeah, it's funny. Funny you say don't lead with politics because I've I don't know how many conversations I've had with these are mostly like strangers. I'm not talking about people that I know. Um, you know, because I'll talk to people in public places and and every once in a while, I mean, it, they'll they will bring up Trump. They will bring up Biden. I'm like, did you find me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> like you're baiting me into this conversation, aren't you? But but I gotta be honest. Those are the ones that have that have ended well. That have ended with a light going on. Um, and, and, uh, you know, hopefully a path to, to an awakening for these. Yeah. And in a, in a renewed democracy too, we also can't, we also can't forget that in a renewed democracy or even the establishment of democracy, it's yeah. never top down. It's never some, we're going to elect some great leader and then it's going to fix the problem from the top down. It's yeah. these conversations like you and I have coming yeah. from totally different perspectives or other people have, it's those conversations repeated over and over and over again in a yeah. sense of, of dedication to truth and integrity, but compassion with a right. sense of compassion. That's what will change. Leaders reflect where we are, where we are and the conversations going on. They don't cause them. They reflect who we are. And that's why we have to change it. Absolutely. We have to, um, before we, before we go to break, I'll kind of just, um, I'll kind of just set this up here. I want to talk a little bit about this free speech defense that, that Trump and his acolytes have, have started to raise because um, our viewers here on Lights On are familiar with my battle against a real attack on free speech. Um, and it started, it started in 2017, Matthew, when I was literally 100% on my own. I, I was, uh, as an act of conscience, literally as an act of saving my own life, I decided that I had to sue the Donald Trump campaign for what I experienced. And it wasn't a political choice at the time at all. It was a, it was a completely um, moral and spiritual awakening individually for myself, where I realized I couldn't move forward without exposing and confronting um, this evil that I had experienced, much in the way that I don't think our country can can move forward without confronting through the legal system what's happening right now to Donald Trump. But I, I brought this legal action. And do you know, Matthew, the first thing they did 
was attack me with their illegal and forever silencing non-disclosure agreement demanding that I pay them $1.5 million for, for airing my, my human rights claim. $1.5 million. It doesn't surprise me in the level of, 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 of the depths that, that not only Donald Trump goes, but people yeah. around him. Yeah. Go. Uh, yeah. To a to woman. Shut people up. I yeah, have a story I, in this environment. I, in this thing, yeah. I have a story. I don't think I've ever told it before uh, about what happened with me in the Trump world while I was working at ABC News directly related to what you're talking about. Why don't we tease that, take a break for our sponsor, and we'll hear your story on the other sure. side of the break. Great. I couldn't believe when I found this out, but did you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Seriously, think of how many free trials you've subscribed to that you've probably never canceled. That's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal financial app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200. When you're signed up for so many things like streaming services you used to watch one show or free trials for delivery you don't use, it's so easy to lose track of what you're paying for. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want to use with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and will even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lights on. That's rocketmoney.com slash lights on. Rocketmoney.com slash lights on. This summer, you could spend thousands of dollars on planes, hotels, and tourist traps, or you can spend less money on a beautiful garden that will give you years of pleasure with fastgrowingtrees.com. FastGrowingTrees.com has thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties expertly curated for your unique climate and needs. From Meyer lemons to evergreens to shade trees and everything in between, no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. No green thumb? No problem. FastGrowingTrees plant experts are just a Zoom, chat, or phone call away always available and eager to help. They can even walk you through your entire garden to help solve problems you're having with plants and trees. Plus, fast-growing trees plant experts have specialized degrees and training to help troubleshoot from root to leaf. I love fastgrowingtrees.com because I found the Summer Spice Hardy Hibiscus Blue Brulee. If it sounds beautiful, it is, and plant experts help me keep it thriving. And with Fast Growing Trees 30 Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great, fresh out of the box. Join almost 2 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on now to get 15% off your entire order. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on.
You do so it all. Happens. You do it all, don't you? you know? <laughs> do you have you have no well, Salty does a lot, Brett does a lot, and then I'm like the writer, ad person. I, was, I thought you were the person walking through the forest or the trees. <laughs> Not yet. We'll be there soon. <laughs> so tell us your story, Matt. I love so, to hear this. So it is as many people listen will recall, I was I worked for ABC News as the chief political analyst for um, 13 years, I think. And so that when Donald Trump started surfacing, as I said earlier, I was one of the first people to say Donald Trump's going to win the Republican nomination. And I said it, as I said, early in 2015 or in the fall of 2015. And Donald Trump, um, and you know this better than probably most, whose ego, everything is about him. He heard that, right? And you repeat that. And he he interpreted that to mean I like Donald Trump and I wanted Donald Trump to win the nomination. Right. So anytime mm-hmm. I would see Donald Trump on the trail for ABC, he'd always come up to me and he thought I was like, like, like helping him. What, what I was doing, I was doing, I'm like the weatherman who was just like, there's a hurricane coming. You might want to put boards on your houses. I'm not saying I want the hurricane to come. Yeah. I'm just telling you it's coming. It's coming. And so after he was inaugurated, and uh, I, I sort of, I went to ABC in our internal meeting, um, one of the, before he was inaugurated actually. And I said, we have to cover him differently than any other president we've covered. We, why don't we look to other places that have covered autocrats? Again, this is was my sense before. And, and then and figure out how they covered autocrats in those systems. And that's what yeah. we should be doing. And when I said it, they were like, what are you talking about? We're going to cover it. It was just like, we're going to cover this DR and DR. I said, we can't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it took them and other news media a long time before they turned that ship and ter- turned that ship and understood what we were facing. So I was on any platform I was on, whether it was good morning America or, or this week with George, I would constantly rip Donald Trump and the GOP. And so much so, and then he got offended by it. Uh, and he and others at the White House started calling uh, the CEO of ABC News to get me fired. Wow. Um, or otherwise, they were threatening they were gonna they were gonna cut off access to members of the cabinet and to Donald Trump and the vice president or whatever. Um, I'll give it to ABC. They they never fired me. I left there a couple of years ago, because I wanted to do something new. But that to me, you talk about a restriction on a First Amendment, and you talk about what you're doing to have Donald Trump, but names you you well know that are in his circle to call up ABC News to try to get me fired, because I was saying critical things about Donald Trump. It's very, very serious. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's extraordinary. I'm not surprised. But people, people, Matt, do not understand the threat that he post. I mean, it's just shocking to me when even right now, last night, today, they raise this free speech defense of his and they do not call out at the same time that he was the most flagrant violator of free speech. I mean, you just told us a very personal story. He attacked the fourth estate incessantly. He branded them along with Steve Bannon, the enemy of the people, for God's sakes. He tried to take Jim Acosta's reporter pass away. Yep. He, I mean, this is what, I mean, Donald Trump, if he, God forbid, gets in office again, is going to try to get the FCC to revoke licenses. Of people oh, yeah, he'll have his enemies list. He'll have his Absolutely. enemies list. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm in, in my story, that 1.5 million, what ended up happening was like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, a Trump campaign. You want to back me into your illegal arbitration? I don't think so. <laughs> so I, again, pro se, sued them to just invalidate the NDA. And it started this incredible journey where I got at first, I got first. I got a huge victory, pro se, where my state court said, "Your state claims are not governed by that NDA, so you are free to have your all of your claims, not just your discrimination claims, which are, which are very, you know, it's black letter that they are protected from arbitration. But even my common law claims, I won keeping them out of arbitration. Nonetheless, the Trump campaign pursued the arbitration against me. They added claims. And here's here's the clincher, Matt. I had a Twitter account with 32 followers, 32 followers. Mr. Free Speech campaign attacked me for a Twitter account with 32 followers. It was at the time not very good at social media still, but at the time it was like mostly song lyrics and Bible verses. And then maybe a little bit here and there about news about my uh, case and and a GoFundMe that, you know, raised just over a grand. And they came after that ultimately getting a $50,000 judgment against me before I had it reversed. And I was, I was so desperate at the time. So, you know, I've wanted, and I share this with, with the viewers of our show, um, since I've won, I've wanted my case to be an example of what is possible for, through the legal system. But at the time, I was so desperate for anyone to pay attention to what was happening to me as an example, as an example of what Donald Trump would do to regular Americans to literally make them disappear, you know, authoritarian style retribution on criticism. And, you know, I've been engaged in this fight and there well, are can hundreds. I ask, can I ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and absolutely. If, tell me if it's too personal. No. Um, it, what sustained you? Um, you know, it, it, that's a, you know, and I've been there in different ways and on different yeah. things uh, it, for, for many different moments. Well, what sustained you both emotionally or psychically in that heat of that as you're confronting all that and where you probably feel like you're standing alone against this powerful thing? What, what, what sustained you in all that? God. Yeah, that's what God. I figured. Um, my understanding of God is truth, principle, love. Um, it's. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Nobody's ever asked me that, Matthew. Um, it was absolutely God that sustained me. It was God that, that gave me the courage to act from the outset to sue Donald Trump that, um, you know, I'm a Christian as well. And my, my impulse was to forgive and say, um, this was an experience that I can learn from. I, I wanted to learn from my own mistakes and through a deeper spiritual wrestling that I went through, I realized that was not enough. I had to confront the evil. That was what God truth was demanding of me in that moment. And when I made that initial decision in 2017, although I would have so much adversity and loss before I ultimately had victory, um, 
I knew in that moment, it was like I knew in that moment that I had won. No, nothing that would happen mattered. I made the right decision. I stood with principle in that initial moment. And I got to tell you, Matt, that sustained me through the darkest, lowest, most frightening moments um, because I, I never doubted that principle. And so that allowed you to walk through the fear. I'm sure you had all internal fears and you probably had, you were probably judging yourself in that, in the midst of that, right? You're probably judging yourself and have those fears. Yeah. Um, yeah. I figured, I figured that was, um, I had the same stories in my own faith and my own thing. It, um, it, you only need, you know, in the darkest times, you only need one little candle of, of, of light um, to realize that uh, there is a, there's a, there's a path ahead and it may not be what you want, no, <laughs> and that's what you have to actually let go of. I mean, part of the process yeah. is you have to let go of what you the end result is. Yes. And walk the path. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, the song, the Lady Gaga, Gaga song, Million Reasons, yeah. A Million Reasons. I think that was in the Super Bowl in 2017 when she was singing that. And there were so many. I mean, there were there were biblical inspirations for me. There were societal and other, you know, I would look at people like Leah Romini fighting the Church of Scientology. I mean, there were so many. And then the whole Me Too movement. There were so many influences on me um, that, that led me up to having that ultimate courage that I had. But a million reasons song. It was like yeah, there fun. were a million reasons not to see the Trump campaign, not to come yeah. out. I mean, there was there was no net gain obvious from me doing this. You know, I was going to be hated by the Trump supporters and I was going to be hated by the Democrats for having sued him in the first yeah. place. And there was no easy path forward. And I had no lawyers like I mean, that was the scariest part for a year. I handled this on my own. It took me a year to find counsel. I mean, that was extremely frightening and yeah. and wanting to have a voice, but knowing at the same time that anything I said can and would be used against me because of this ludicrous non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Um, I so. actually think, I mean, just my own, my own uh, is the more you talk about that, I think gives, because one thing people have the hardest thing to find, especially if they're in a situation like this or coming out of a cult, which is actually yeah. what we're trying to drag people out of the cult, yeah. is they hearing story of other people's walk in their path and the fears yes. they go through and the courage. You know, it's interesting. People ask me, and at different moments, I've had different, I mean, I broke with a president that I worked for, President Bush, who yeah. I worked for, helped get reelected and had a public break with him. I've, I mean, I've had death threats through from the Trump world and all of that. And I, people ask me, how do I, I mean, one, I have, I think my own, my own sense of my own faith, and I may not exactly align with whatever Christian denomination, but I have my own sense sure. of faith. And I yeah. tell them there's just something in me. I didn't feel I had a choice. I didn't, I felt for the sake of integrity and truth, I felt just pulled by it that I didn't yeah. even feel like I could do another option. That I yeah, had to do it. Absolutely. It's like that. It's like that. I mean, that's why I've said for years, silence is not an option. That's yeah. that's my motto. But you know what you're describing, um, that whatever is in your character that gives you that black and white kind of standpoint from which to act. I think that um, the Republican Party that has not taken those two very crystal clear choices that are before them and made the obvious right choice. Um, 
I think they're going to suffer for it big time. I mean, that's another thing that I try yeah. to communicate is I agree with that. I mean, th this this GOP is like the living dead to me, Matthew. I mean, they are they are literally like zombies. This is not um, this is not a fulfilling existence in any way, shape or form. And they're they're putting it off putting off, confronting what they need to confront time and time again. That's why I talked about what I see as a possible implosion of their party is, be is it, this is just a human and universal concept that the more you put off something, the worse it gets, the worse it gets. If you confront it early on, then you've overcome that. But if you put it off, it's going to it's going to um, become worse and worse for you. Well, and you that's ultimately the, do. that's Jessica, that's and that's that gets to an argument that I often have with people on the left or Democrats, which is, is they're constantly like, we need to hold them accountable. We need to hold them accountable. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I always tell them our job is to speak the truth. Right. And defend yeah. what we believe is the Constitution and democracy and free speech and all of that, both for our own selves, but for our loved ones and people we care about and even people we don't even know who may not have the voice in this. But how accountability ultimately happens and when it happens is out of our hands. And it's out of almost everybody's hands. I mean, and people think, well, he's got this success and he raises his money and he does all this. That's fine. He, these people have to look in the mirror. So they, which I, my guess is, is most of them have gotten rid of their mirrors because they cannot, they would not want to look in the mirror at themselves in the course of <laughs> this. I don't know how somebody like Marco Rubio can look in the mirror after what he said mm -hmm. in 2016 and then how he operates today. I don't know. Or, or uh, yeah. Elise Stefanik. I don't know how she oh, looks God. in the mirror. Oh my God. Um, all of those folks. But ultimately we can only do what we can in the president, which is president, which is speaking truth um, in a loving, compassionate way and defending the innocent, the people that don't have the voice in this. And then accountability is, in, is, is, is out of our hands. That is out of our hands. It's not on our timeline. It's not going to serve on our timeline. Whether or not Trump goes away in a year, year and a half, two years, it's not in my, it's not on my, you know, I don't have hit that in my box of things I have to happen at a certain point. All I can do is wake up every day and operate from a place of integrity and, and, and believe because I have faith, hope, believe mm -hmm. that the arc of the moral universe, they will be confronted by the arc of the moral universe. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that on the for the for the perspective in, of individuals and yeah. their own accountability. <laughs> you know, God save their souls for what they've done, right? But um, but from a perspective of the legal system. I, I, I want to share. I've been holding this um, this image from the, this movie, 1985, Argentina, 1985. Did you see it, Matt? No, I didn't. Oh my gosh, I so recommend it. It's it's the story of the prosecution of the military junta in Argentina, um, a prosecution that the the prosecutors were very reluctant to bring for all of the obvious reasons, right? Fear, um, you know, difficulty of the case, uh, unprecedented, da 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 mm -hmm. da da, right? And um, Julio Stracera, which was the, the main prosecutor, he, he's one of the things he said during that case was the lack of a judicial sentence is not the omission of a formality. It is a vital issue concerning the dignity of humankind. For me, that that just really brought it all together to, yeah. to not separate justice from this whole human picture that we're dealing with and why justice is essential. Well, it, it, I mean, I love that quote. And, and 
if justice doesn't happen, then the whole system is corrupted, right? The yeah. whole system. And then it basically opens the door. Well, this is my problem with not holding Donald Trump accountable at all these points. It yeah. basically with justice isn't held in those instances. This is why Republicans have they've created this nightmare because yeah. they along the way did not hold him accountable or did 100%. not seek justice in the courts. So, I mean, they would have been solved this problem if they had impeached him. All you needed was another eight cents. Amen. First time or second, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is it 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 is a system that it, if you don't do it, yeah. then it just gets it's more and more poisoned and more and more corrupted. Yep. Absolutely. And human yeah, beings, human beings are flawed. And human beings are very flawed people. And we have our darker angels. All of us have our darker angels in this. And when society in a in a a community doesn't hold people accountable, it lets loose the darker angels. That's the that's isn't that the deterrence concept of our of our justice system? Yeah. I mean, that's why this isn't, you know, as much as we're all going to be focusing on Trump, 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 this is about so much more than Donald Trump the man. This is about the behavior that he engaged in that we have to draw a line about and say, if you're thinking about this in the future, whatever you know, name your name is future politician in America. You don't get to go here. Yeah, there the level of hate—the level of hate that he has uh, uh, not only perpetuated himself, but then give permission for—is the yeah. really is concerning. Yeah, that's been a big. I mean, that was that was a major component of my wake up call because, like I said, I mean, I see it in the chat. It's it's always a question that's asked of me, like Jessica, how could you have how could you have supported Trump in the first place? And. Um, you know, Matt, I kind of I kind of my experience is, is in reverse of all of the other Trump people who have come out. Like I, I've been committed the last six lives, six years of my life to the legal work. Now I'm writing <laughs> <laughs> now that I freed hundreds of people or I'm about to from this non-disclosure agreement. Now I'm giving myself the time to write my own book. So I will, you know, obviously be sharing so much of this in more context. But I love having lights on to give these, you know, to give this perspective as I'm writing. And, and it was, it was ahead. such, sorry, don't no, go for it. Go for it. I'm listening. It was such an inverted worldview that I had when I supported Trump. And that's what I try to convey to people that the, the worldview that Trump supporters have is literally upside down. So you can be someone who loves human rights and loves free speech and loves, um, you know, democracy and think that somebody like him is on your side. And that, you know, that was the major wake up call for me. I never, you know, the, the dog whistles that are more like bullhorns, those things, I did what you were describing. I didn't listen to my better angels. And I didn't even, I just chose not to acknowledge those things as defining his overall persona. Well, you know, the, I, I, I very regrettably dismissed those, the worst well, things he said. It's a tough, it's a tough thing because when I went through this big break with President Bush, not yeah. obviously for the same reasons, it was over the war and over, and I, I was thought we were supposed to bring the country together and we didn't. And I still stayed friends with him, but I had felt I had to break publicly. A bunch of close friends of mine who were at the White House and I worked with on the campaign were all upset with me and they questioned my loyalty, right? They questioned my loyalty in this. And I make the argument that loyalty is a level of hierarchy. Yes, you can be loyal to a person. You can be loyal to a party. You can be loyal to a country. 
but ultimately it's a hierarchy and and what's at the top of that is is supposed to be truth right is supposed to be true yes. so principle a principle truth, right <laughs> if 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 your loyalty to truth which is a higher on the hierarchical chain is tells you to break with a party or break with a person you can't say well i'm loyal to this person i'm going to ignore that and that, that's where i think people get mixed up because people are like yes. oh they got to be loyal got to be loyal got to be loyal but our first loyalty is is to tr truth honesty our yes. principles and humankind right that's that is such an important concept so important matthew i mean i don't know how many times during the trump administration i heard the term trump loyalists <laughs> and i'm like First of all, like if you understand, I was on the inside of that. These people are loyal to their own self-preservation. OK, and so they understand that being a sycophant for Donald Trump is, you know, goes hand in hand with their political careers, whatever that is. But yeah, absolutely. Loyalty to a principle. And 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 that has to be the be all and end all. It doesn't end in loyalty to a man, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're a Christian, right? Have thou shalt have no other gods. Well, that's why. Me. So that's, I'm sure that should had, be your loyalty. And I'm worried at the tail end, but that's my biggest, uh, this whole Christian nationalism, which is both poisoning faith and poisoning our country simultaneously. Because yes. if you're a real Christian, you're not supposed to have, it's not supposed to be linked with a nation. It's supposed to be the kingdom of God, which is supposed to be every universal. single universal <laughs> entity that doesn't have anything to do with the nation and how you're right. doing that. And it corrupts the nation, which is we're supposed to be able to make decisions regardless of somebody's faith or what their belief system or is, that is what's is in the interest of the common good. To me, the rise of Christian nationalism is such a poison to people, of, for people of faith and for people that are patriots. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot on Lights On. I, I always say Christian nationalism is an oxymoron for the reasons you just described. Yeah. And we have to call it out, not because, you know, you know, if, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, just because this is such a bastardization and misuse and hijacking of a, of a gospel of love. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, one other thing, just before we wrap this, just to bring things into a global perspective, you gave us some excellent historical perspective uh, nationally. Um, you know, Donald Trump is trying to play the victim like we've been talking about. There are real victims around the world of political persecution and prosecution. Today, we learned that Alexei Navalny was sentenced to an additional 19 years in Russian prison for this uh, alleged charge of extremism. Um, added to the nine years that he was already sentenced, he's he's has already commented that um, that he thinks that they're going to trump charges up on terrorism and essentially put him in jail for life. But I wanted to read a statement that Alexei Navalny put out because it really, um, you know, Donald Trump is always trying to project his grievances onto his supporters, saying they're not after you, they're after me. Total misuse and abuse and trying to get them to, to carry the weight for his crimes. Here's an example of somebody who really is carrying the weight for millions of Russians who cannot speak uh, freely about how they feel and has been such a courageous leader um, in the face of unthinkable attacks. And this is what Alexei Navalny said. He said, um, I urge you to think why such a demonstrably huge sentence is necessary. Its main purpose is to intimidate you, not me. I will even say this, you personally, the one reading these lines. Hmm. Yeah. 
he's been such a such a beacon of of courage and light to the Russian people. Well, that's what's what's amazing about him as an example is the yeah. Donald Trumps and the Republicans, many parts of the Republican Party wanting to pattern themselves after off of Vladimir Putin, right? Yeah. And that's what's and, and this guy is a true patriot, right? He's a true love of lover of of Russia in this and lover of free speech. And if you look at all, and I've, I've read a bunch about it, he basically only thing he's ever done was criticize Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. That's all he's ever really done is criticize or organize people to try to fight for their own, you know, their way of their, their lives in that entity. But it still amazes me that the, the, the party of Reagan of tear down this wall has now become the party that says that wants to pattern themselves off of Vladimir Putin. They have, they, that, that's who they are. It's, it's shocking. It's so crystal clear. And that's why I'm like, people, do you understand? This is not America first. This is Russia first on once on a good day, you know, China first, Saudi Arabia first on a bad day, maybe even some days North Korea first, but definitely not America first. <laughs> Please folks. Well, that's yeah. why these movements, I mean, it's happened here. It's yeah. happened. It, it's happened in Hungary. It's there's an elements of it happening in in Poland. Elements of it happening in Sweden. Elements of it happening in 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 France. Elements of it happening in Germany. This is a global autocratic movement um, that America uh, is been brought into um, by Donald Trump and the Republican Party, and it's going to be a global fight. It is. Well, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. We had more uh, amazing job numbers from uh, yeah. Biden's Biden's recovery of this economy that he never gets credited enough for um, reported today. I'm very grateful for Biden's leadership. Um, and I I don't think it, it can be overstated how vital it is that we keep him as the president for the next four years. Yeah, I, I um, agree with that. I met him. I met him the first time in 1987 when he was running for president um, and he came to, when I was in Austin, he came to Austin and I was doing some stuff there at a union hall and he came there. He was young. I mean, what, that was, that was 13, 36 years ago, 36 years ago <laughs> that I was just a very young guy. And I was at the time. Um, and then he ended up dropping out of that race. Um, I was so impressed with him and what I'm most impressed with him. You can question many things about him is he's an incredibly decent human being. Yes. yes. And even the stuff with Hunter, where all your things about Hunter shows his decency as a father. Absolutely. And you know, they literally tried to criticize him, criticize him recently for answering Hunter's call. Answering his phone. <laughs> when Tim, well, not Tim Scott, Byron Donald said that, I was, I tweeted back. I said, this sounds more about you as a father yeah. than it does about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. No kidding. No kidding. Wouldn't any family with a child who's who's suffering Suffer with drug addiction, addiction. Yes. answer their child's calls for God's sake? <laughs> my God. Oh my anyway, God. onward. Matthew Dowd. Jessica, Thank you for joining me so pleasure. much today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I hope our viewers and listeners will also check out your book, Revelations on the River healing a nation, healing ourselves. I'm definitely looking forward to getting a copy. Um, you have been in this fight and such an important voice, a, a, a spiritual, um, you know, heartfelt perspective too, not just political. And I am grateful 
grateful that you're in, in this fight with us, Matthew. Well, thank you. And um, Godspeed to everything you've done and uh, that you will do. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for joining us tonight on Lights On. I uh, love having you every week, as you know. I just wanna tell you, um, I get the most amazing comments from you every week. And um, I want you to know that I read them, even the constructive criticism, I read that too. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, you really fill, fill my life with so much, so much warmth and light um, from doing this show. And I'm so grateful for it. Even if I don't respond to you individually, please know I'm reading um, and, and learning from you too. And please continue to comment and share. If you're watching us today on YouTube, please go over and subscribe wherever you get your audio podcasts. And if you're listening to us on audio, please definitely come out and check out our smiling faces here on YouTube. Um, it helps, you know, what Matthew and I were talking about today, we have to pierce through and, and bring our country together, get out of this miasma of deceit and falsehoods. And so you sharing lights on with whoever you know, with your family, your friends, strangers, um, people you meet does a great help to just get the word out and and help us defeat this this fascist fascist movement that we're facing. I wanted to as a as a matter of housekeeping just tell you if you live in Ohio or if you know anyone who lives in Ohio please please remind them there is a critical election coming up on Tuesday. It's it's over this this ballot um this attempt to change the constitution called issue 1 and um the GOP Republicans have tried to insert this to keep ballot initiatives from being passed without a supermajority and this is going to be a threat to so many things to abortion rights to uh minority rights so many um important citizen led ballot initiatives will be threatened if the GOP gets away with this, again, unconstitutional, undemocratic power grab. So if you live in Ohio or know anybody that lives in Ohio, tell them to get out on Tuesday, August 8th, vote no on issue one. One more thing, as always, if you want to support my fight, um, we need your help and love your support. And it's so um, we're so grateful for it. You can do that at thejessicadenson.com slash donate, thejessicadenson.com slash donate. We are in the tail end of our of our battle against the Trump campaign, and we're not going anywhere in this in this presidential election year. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend and let your light shine. <laughs>